All right. Daria, welcome to Cell. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I feel very honoured. Oh, as my very first guest. Am I your very first guest? Yeah. (gasps) So special because you just set two new national records (laughs) too, right? Yes, two. Two new national records for the Netherlands, freediving national records. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? (laughs) you can this is a moment to brag come on (laughs) okay okay i'm not used to bragging you know i am dutch and we are told that if you're normal then that's special enough already so (laughs) just be normal um yeah yeah i just came back from philippines and had the most amazing time in training and competition there um and yeah i did set two national records and what were they um, one of them was for bifins, which was my discipline for a very long time. I've been training that for a very long time, and it was kind of the national record that I kind of broke my own national record. So it was nice, but it wasn't super, super, wow, amazing, special. The other one, though, was a national record for monofinning, constant weight, yeah. which um, was standing for the last, oh, probably, what is it? 22 so eight years it's been standing oh for goodness. eight years and I remember looking at it a couple of years ago and going well I don't even need to bother to do that because it was 82 meters and that's just the depth but I think even six months ago I didn't even want to think of going there it sounded and you did scary. 83 and I did 83 okay so for people who don't follow freediving monofin is what looks like like a whale tail. A whale tail. I was going to say a mermaid tail, but yeah, a whale tail yeah. is, is better. It's a bit more accurate. Yeah, that's amazing. That's super deep. And what's your bifins record? 80? 80, yes. Yay! I don't want to clap too loudly into the mic. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. So stoked. I'm very stoked. I'm very stoked. I never thought it would happen. And then it kind of did. Yeah, you're a badass. Mm-hmm. So, freediving... I'm a freediver. I mean, we met through mm-hmm. freediving. What is it? I mean, what makes freediving so? And this is a big question, I guess. What makes freediving so special for you? Like, why? Why are you doing this? People hearing that you are diving over eighty meters, I think for a lot of people is quite unfathomable. Like, mm. it sounds insane. It's super deep. I feel like people. Surely, people ask you like, why? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then the first really quick answer is because you can. Yeah. And not many people do. Not many people can. So if you can, then, then it's, yeah, that's kind of amazing. Um, but the long answer, and I have a feeling that's where you want to go. Um, the long answer is that it's, for me, it's, it's been a mirror. It's been a mirror, that's one thing. And the other thing is it's been my super, super shortcut to finding kind of an inner peace, inner silence. Okay. So there's two big things that I got out of free diving. All right, we got to break this down. <laughs> Which one do you want to start with? A Let's mirror, okay. So a mirror. Let's yeah, what do, you, mirror. what do you mean when you say it's a mirror for you? It's mirror because it shows you aspects of yourself that you don't necessarily look at or get confronted with in normal life, especially when things are, you know, relatively easy in your life. 
Um, because you you have to deal with adversity, you have to deal with fears, you have to deal with what goes on in your mind, you have to deal with the things that come up when you're training to go that deep. And you're a free diver yourself, so you know that there is a lot going on when mm. you put your head underwater and yeah. then you've decided you're going to go down. Yeah. And then there's a lot that comes up. There is fears. There is a lot of fear. At least for me, there's a lot of fear. Um, there's resistance, there's laziness, there's not necessarily the prettiest aspects of your yeah. personality that show their ugly faces and you kind of have to go, oh, oh, is that what I do? Oh, is that what I think? Um, so that's how it's a mirror. Yeah, that's so interesting. Was that the case for you from the very beginning or was this yes. something that came, yeah? Yeah, from the beginning. I think I'm probably a little bit used to it because I... I do a lot of yoga, I teach a lot of yoga, and yoga is very similar to me. It's yeah. like the time that you spend with yourself on a mat, breathing, putting your body through difficulties, mm. you see things, you notice things, you notice patterns, and then, yeah, you have to deal with it. You kind of have, there's no other way than to kind of confront it and go through it. And There's and no hiding. There's no hiding. Yeah, there, I no. think a lot of freedivers describe describe it as a mirror i've used that as well mm. it's really interesting that a lot of people end up using that phrase particularly mm. because for me i guess like that visual the image that i get if you're looking obviously at a mirror you you can't hide from anything what's in front of you is just what's there what was if you want to share i mean what were some things that i guess were revealed to you that you didn't know about yourself when you mm. started diving um, I think one of the big things, it might actually have been more something from the last couple of years, is I noticed my own self-talk. Mm. The way I was speaking to myself, what I thought about myself, um, that wasn't really nice. And um, yeah, it, it was something that through the diving, but also through everything that I did in order to become a better diver. Yeah. Um, something that I really noticed and something that I really worked on so it's better now mm. but yeah I was my own worst critic I guess and I think I didn't really believe in myself I think that I um, when I was planning dives when I was going okay this is what I'm going to do and I'm training for it I'm doing a lot for it I'm making sure that I'm fit to actually do the dive there's no physical reason for me not to be able to do a dive yeah and what would stop me what would make me turn early for example um, was me not actually believing that I could do it or me maybe not thinking I deserve to do it well because of you know you're not worthy you're not good enough you're not the best you're always second best or good if you're second best but you're probably you're average yeah there's nothing special about you so <laughs> what makes you think that you can do this yeah. and yeah so that's pretty hard when you start realizing it's like oh no but that's nice going I would never say that to anybody else yeah. <laughs> why would I say that to myself how do you think that shows up differently in diving than any other 
space in life like do you think it's possible to almost hide more from that inner critic in other spaces yeah sure why do you think that is um because it's just you when you go down that line it's just you yeah and yes things can get in the way currents and you can be distracted you can probably find fault with some some external thing Mm -hmm. and say oh it was my fins or my equalization or something but in the end it's just you on the line there's no distractions and you become very very aware of your thoughts and your thought process and I haven't really done any other sports at this level I guess I've played I've done team sports I've done swimming but never at a very high level and I think you'd probably find that in other sports as well as soon Mm. as you really really put yourself yeah into that but I think yeah for me something that was very unique about freediving is you don't have to go to that level Mm. to experience this to be confronted Mm. with the stuff that goes on yeah. the noise mm. i think in your head the truth the, it's like you can't hide from this truth yeah. right that exists in there and the moment you start whatever dipping your head and diving down or just holding your breath mm. face down in the water i think these things just come out mm. at a much more rapid rate than i've ever experienced in anything else yeah yeah we probably think that we are putting ourselves in a situation where your kind of your whole body is going like, okay, stop doing this now because you are going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is if you continue this, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And of course, we know that we won't because you know because you won't. Yeah. But your body thinks that you are, and therefore, because your body is sending all these signals, your mind is going to go ah do something yeah and i think that puts you in a different level of seeing and a different level of experiencing your thoughts and your and your mind and maybe that's why you see more clearly yeah and so you said you recognize this much harsher inner critic Mm. and you've done work Mm. (laughs) to move through that (laughs) what does that look like because i think that's something that I mean, surely everyone has experienced at some point, whether or not you fully recognize the extent Mm. of that inner critic. I know that that's definitely something I've struggled with for a long time. What, what did that look like shifting and moving through that? Well, one of the things, the first thing of course, was to become fully aware of what I was really telling myself and where it was coming from. Mm. Because it comes from somewhere you didn't, you didn't get born and then just start making up that you're a worthless person. Right. Somebody told you that mm. or experience told you that or whatever you've lived through in your life told you that you're probably a worthless person. So the first thing for me is to realize it. That was the diving going like, oh, okay, this is what I tell myself. The second thing is what am I telling myself and why am I telling myself this? Right. And one of the ways that I kind of started discovering that was through um, my morning pages which I do um, pretty religiously every morning I sit down I do three pages where I just free write I put my pen to the paper and I just write whatever comes up so it can be complete nonsense like I don't know what to write today why am I still doing this 
the birds are singing, my pen's beautiful, <laughs> why is my coffee not hot anymore? It can be like that, but yeah. eventually in that kind of flow of the writing, stuff starts coming out. And as you write things down, they become clearer, they get a shape, and once they have a shape, once they have a form, you can do something with them. So these are thoughts that normally go in and out of your mind in probably less than a second, right? Mm. So it's all the stuff is going on in there and it's, it's almost ethereal, it's, you can't grasp it, you can't really do anything with it. Once you've written it down, suddenly there it is in your face. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, this is, this is what I think. And then you have, you have something to hold on to, you have something to work with, you have mm. something you can see, something very concrete. So that's helped. Um, with these morning pages, I don't know if you've heard of where it comes from. No. It's a book by Julia Cameron. It's called The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. And she has like a 12-week program that you work through in her book um, where you get all kinds of exercises. And her idea is, is that you do this in order to um, find your true creativity, right. to be fully creative without inner critic, without... Um, yeah, you, you're kind of delving a little bit deeper. You're going to slightly more um, deeper consciousness where you find your creativity, your true creativity. Awesome. So it's really nice. But of course you can use that for anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the exercises, they're pretty hard. They're, she'll tell you to um, write down things that happened in school. Remember the first time your teacher or your... Um, uh, fellow students told you that something you did wasn't great right or write down your worst nightmare or the horror story of something that happened to you in school or in your childhood or with your parents whatever write it down which is really confronting and not nice and quite painful um, but again you're writing it down it becomes something that you can work with mm. rather than some distant mem memory that when you think about it kind of you feel that a bit of an emotion creeping up, yeah. that slight tightening of your stomach, and you go like, oh, I don't feel great thinking about this, but I'm not sure why. Again, you start writing it down, and then you go, oh, oh, this is why. Okay, yeah. now I understand. And then you're aware. And once you have awareness, you can start working with it, and you can start changing that story. The story remains, but you can change the way you feel about it. You can change the way you um, you use it or respond it, to it perhaps? respond to it exactly yeah. yeah that's probably the best way yeah do you think that through that process of writing were there memories that came up for you that you kind of had I guess like forgotten about at some point mm. or was it like was it was it a fresh perspective on memories that you knew you had or was it also you know, stuff coming up that you're like, oh, crap, I totally forgot that something <laughs> like that happened. I don't think I really forgot anything. I think it was really just kind of putting it in perspective mm. and um, making the story complete or, yeah, viewing it from a different, a different angle. Like, this is, yeah. I'm going into this, but I'm going into this with, a, with the goal of perhaps fixing it or healing it or rather than something that comes up it's like ugh you know it's, it's there and suddenly you feel bad and you don't really know why right 
but no, I'm cursed with an excellent memory, especially for this type of stuff. So it's always there. It's, it's there <laughs> I have very, that, yeah. very vivid images of things that that I lived through. Yes, and sadly, none, not all of them are nice. Yeah, happy memories, yeah. of course, which is normal. Normal, absolutely. Mm. Mm. And then, how does yoga? What role does yoga play into this? It's very. Um, I think it's very similar in the way that it holds up a mirror, like I said before. Um, When I practice, um, it's a self-practice. I hardly ever go to a lead class because I I want this time for reflection and when somebody tells you when to breathe and how to breathe and how to open your heart and all that, I I can't do the same. It's nice, it will be a nice workout, but it won't be yoga as far as I'm concerned. So when I do my self-practice, I spend 90 minutes to two hours, sometimes more, on my mat, breathing, and just being with me. So very similar to freediving, only yeah. without the breathing. But with the breathing. With the breathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Um, so it's a very reflective practice. It's very um, quiet. It's very still. And I put myself in situations which are hard. I put myself through poses which are hard. I sweat, it's heavy, my muscles are working, my breath catches when I do deep back bends. Um, And when I do these things, I recognize that same voice. When I started doing poses which I always thought they were not for me and then I started trying them anyway, and then I would be hovering halfway the pose and not being able to let go or actually go through with it because fear, perhaps, because that voice, perhaps, like, no, this is not for you, don't even try. Um, or perhaps even something else, perhaps just uh, giving up before you even try, mm. which is, I think, all very much interlinked. And then when you push through to when you do make that decision, no, actually, I am going to go and go backwards, for example, and, you know, and it's going to work and have trust, trust my body, trust myself. And then when you do it, that's just kind of a confirmation. It's like, oh, so you can do it. And you didn't break into a million pieces and you didn't fail. You just did it. Yeah. So it's like these little moments help you to realize slowly, slowly that you are not a worthless human being. You are um, fine the way you are. And this is, and you can do things and then you can do more than you think. And then you can do even a little bit more. And all you need to do is take that break off. Go like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. Yeah. Just go. And for freediving, it's the same, right? Just go. There's a million voices telling you not to, and then you just kind of do it anyway. Yeah, I think when I'm hearing that, and I've thought about in my own diving or my own yoga practice, where it gets quite confronting, it's it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. because it's something that shows up and you have this narrative that plays in your head whether it's you know yeah you can't do this don't try it's too advanced whatever or you're not going to make this depth it's not going to be you know whatever that is 
that's confronting but then it's also really uncomfortable to sit with mm-hmm. because I mean because you have to uh, that, that's the thing I think often at least I know for me in the past I would probably run from these things or find something else make an excuse find some kind of excuse mm-hmm. to cover it right rather mm-hmm. than actually go this is this is me like mm-hmm. this is what's going on inside for me what I mean, for you recognizing these things, how, like how how do you sit through? Like how do you sit with these with these thoughts, with these feelings? Mm. Because that's hard. Like yeah. that that in itself is a practice, right? Like it's tricky. I think a lot of people can realize these things about themselves, and then it's like, whoa, this is a lot. Fuck this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to go in, whatever, get drunk on the weekend. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, like there's, we can use a lot and as humans, there are a lot of coping mechanisms mm-hmm. in which we can turn to, yeah. to not deal with the stuff that we probably like need to deal with, yeah. but aren't comfortable or don't want to deal with. Hmm. I think part of it for me, um, I guess it's, it's the same for many other people, is learning to deal with physical discomfort mm. and I don't really want to say pushing through because it's not really pushing through it's accepting mm. that discomfort going like okay so this is part of it and it's okay because again I'm not going to break in a million pieces it's going yeah. to be uncomfortable for a little while you're teaching yourself to accept this discomfort and I think that reflects on what happens in your mind so when you sit with a very uncomfortable emotion yeah. or when you sit with a very uncomfortable realization about yourself about your behavior about patterns about things that you do regularly you're okay it's uncomfortable but you know what I'm not gonna break in a million pieces I'm yeah. just gonna sit with it so I think you learn through the physical and I'm a very strong believer of that because the physical is something is very it's easy I can tell you lift your arm and you're going to lift your arm if somebody tells you if you lift your arm you're going to feel better you're going to lift your arm if I say try and feel better you're going to go like yeah but how yeah but if you have the tool of lifting your arm then you can oh that works so accessing these emotions or accessing these sensations through the body Mm. is the way is the way because we can't change the way we feel we can't change the way we think we're not good enough practitioners for that in you know the people that I meet around me but we can access the body we can access that movement and through that movement or through the breath or through whatever your practice is if it's physical it will help you to access the the, the mind it will help you to access the emotion and then it will help you to accept to release to analyze to whatever it is that you need to do with those emotions whatever you need to do in order to um, deal with that discomfort yeah and you can accept the discomfort I think that's probably one of our biggest mistakes in life yeah. right we're, cons- we're always trying to push away Absolutely. discomfort yeah Whereas if we sit it, if we accept it, then we might just kind of glide through even. Yeah. It might be not so nice for a moment, but we're going to come out on the other side rather than constantly 
bumping into it from whatever angle, from every angle, yeah. until we finally decide to either give up on it or, or go through. Yeah, I like, I love the word acceptance mm. because I think that's something I definitely struggled with <laughs> for a long time. Probably most people, yeah. I would say, is just accepting things as they are, accepting emotions especially negative painful and difficult emotions Mm. right Mm. and you're right I think there's this need we've got this aversion towards uncomfortable things towards hard emotions and just going I don't want to deal with that Mm. let's just push it away if I'm upset do something to make me happy like just you know like I I think we're all about this pursuit of happiness and pursuit mm-hmm. of pleasure that there's such a great aversion to anything that isn't that yeah um and you have done vipassana mm-hmm. i have yeah we've spoken about this mm-hmm. so i think that vipassana was was really the first place where i learned this idea of impermanence and that helped me immensely mm. in accepting accepting things accepting (laughs) um what is it the what do you what is it craving because because everything's impermanent that's the idea Mm -hmm. and so we don't want a craving for the things that are pleasant and having an aversion for things that are unpleasant Mm -hmm. um for people who don't know what vipassana is can you explain it a little (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna give you all the hard questions yay fun so Vipassana, let's be clear, the Vipassana I that know. I've done was not a Goenka okay. style of Vipassana, but it's it comes down to pretty much the same things as 10-day silent retreat meditation. Um, so Vipassana is, is yeah, well, this, I said it very shortly, you might have to cut this out later on. Um, you go to a center, you meditate meditate for, like for 10 days straight 11 hours you know you no talking no talking no eye contact no eye contact no input basically yeah. and no output no so you can't write things down no. you can't read no. or have your telephone with you no. <laughs> so you basically it's just you yeah <laughs> one of my yoga teachers before i ever did anything like this said um, as he was announcing that he was going on his, I don't know how many, um, Vipassana, I was like, oh, I'm just going to be rolling around in my own mental pus for 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, way yeah. to make it sound glamorous. But in the end, it's kind of that, what it is. Yes. You're just observing yourself and your mind yeah. and everything that comes up and because there's no other input and there's no output it's there right in your yeah, face yeah. there's no escape yeah the first time i heard about it i was like this is horrible i will never do this mm. i think i heard about it maybe yeah my friend did it in myanmar and yeah we were traveling together and she's like i'm going to do this vipassana for 10 days I was like, no, I will, I will never, you'll never catch me dead doing this. <laughs> Meditating for what, 11, 12 hours a day for 10 days straight, waking up early, no, no talking, no writing, <laughs> I will never do this. And then sure enough, last year, <laughs> I did my first one. 
And this year I went back again. But it is rolling around in your mental past, I think is very accurate. And I think that in in our world today, with everything that we have going on and all the noise and all the input that we have, I have never had an opportunity to be with myself in that way (laughs) ever in my life and then you really realize some things and I guess like free diving yoga also Mm -hmm. bring out all these things right but having the 10 days is super intense yeah it's done yeah that's yeah yeah there's literally no escape no even on your yoga mat when things get hard you can go like okay I'm backing off where's my phone you, yeah. you can and we do it's like you explain it we're we're hardwired at least nowadays we're hardwired to seek pleasure we have yeah. very hedonistic lifestyles and anything that gets in the way of that we kind of like oh just walk around that and there yeah. are so many distractions available to us we can pick up our phone and literally spend an hour yeah not thinking yeah or anything being completely distracted yeah um, so, do you think our lives are too comfortable now? I think, and I've, like I mean, obviously for like most of us who live very like yeah, privileged for, for lives. us super yeah. privileged people, um, I think they are. I think they are, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why people behave in a very bad ways. They do because there's no struggle there's no or there's very little struggle Mm. and when things get in between us and our comforts we we will blame others we will find fault in others in order not to have to maybe you know look at ourselves or yeah I don't know how to how to really how to really explain how how our lives would be different if we didn't mm. have literally the world at the tips of our fingers adversity right day. like just having having <coughs> some adversity in life because like yeah. life in general is fairly easy mm. for most for of us, us. Yes. yeah for us for, sh- for sure mm. and yeah we don't we don't struggle for f- like even our you know our basic needs we live very comfortable lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it when people suffer mm-hmm. or when they claim they suffer. And I, let's be very clear. Like when people suffer, I acknowledge that suffering it doesn't matter where it comes from. If yeah. you feel bad, you feel bad. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel bad. Mm. But the thing is that we're not used to dealing with anything really anymore. So when we do face adversity, when we do face things and doesn't and there's nothing you can do about it, our reactions become almost out of proportion because yeah. we've never had to deal with anything yeah. bad. We never had to run from a saber toothed tiger. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, find water that is not coming out of your tap and when it's not coming out of your tap end of the world yeah whereas i think probably 60 percent of the world's population does not have water coming out of the tap yeah and yeah we're spoiled little assholes i think sometimes (laughs) yeah 
So then, I mean, what we need to get comfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's an obvious thing, mm-hmm. right? Because we, it's easy to run from uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. It's easy to ignore, to jump on your phone, to distract, mm-hmm. to find, to seek the pleasure that that rush, mm-hmm. whatever's going on that kind of instant reward that's in your hand. I think that's what phones have given us mm-hmm. because if you feel a little bit crappy and you go on and you're just scrolling through TikTok or Instagram reels and you're seeing cool things. I mean, for me, they don't really make me feel better personally. I'm like, if I start getting in my head about comparing things and that's it's actually going to put me in a worse space, but I guess you can escape what's going on. Mm. So really there's almost a need for practicing discomfort because you can't Mm. right like you don't want to throw yourself into the deep end (laughs) no one's going to go in free dive 83 meters tomorrow Mm. but surely there are things that we can do to start becoming familiar with discomfort and we you know you spoke about accessing it through the physical Mm. body because it's difficult to just I mean, I guess this happens to people where your world gets turned upside down, some big crisis happens, whether it's like a big ending in your marriage Mm -hmm. or, you know, just whatever it is that's going on that's huge, that makes it very difficult to deal with in that moment. But if you can develop some kind of practice Mm -hmm. where you become more familiar Mm -hmm. with sitting through discomfort, I guess like that's going to help Mm -hmm. the mental stuff that happens later or or in life at any point, you know, that we we don't control and we don't expect to happen. Um, What, yeah, what practices, what ways do you see, would you recommend, I guess, in practicing discomfort? Because I feel like you've got a lot of tools at your disposal Mm. yeah um a lot of it is what i've mentioned already um have a have a regular physical practice Mm. it can be yoga it can be something else but as you do your figure your your physical practice um don't do it perhaps with blaring music all the time don't be watching television as you are running on your treadmill Mm. don't necessarily always put on a podcast when you are doing something that's hard don't always put music in your ears when you're doing a run maybe turn a little bit more inside maybe when you practice try to see try to observe what comes up Mm. rather than just doing it and I think for any any type of practice, if you're doing a HIIT workout, yeah, it's fun with music, but that's also a distraction. Mm. So maybe once in a while, not every time, but once in a while, turn off the music and really observe what happens when you do this extremely hard thing with yeah. your body. Yeah. When you're using your muscles, when you're in pain, when you feel... Um, your muscles cramping or you know they're getting hot or lactate building up like listen to it observe it and then accept it again like kind of work through it and then when you when you get used to doing that um, then hopefully that will help you when one day you have to do something that is really much harder yeah um, 
I think it's any type of practice where you are going to be in some form of pain perhaps whether it's the it's just push like pushing a limit right like something pushing, that do, doesn't exactly. feel easy yeah so don't give up the moment they go like, oh this yeah. doesn't feel nice yeah like push through a little bit yeah um when you hold your breath and your urge to breathe starts wait another 30 seconds before you give yourself the nice deliverance of breathing again yeah when you are lifting a heavy weight and you're doing 10 reps of something and you know by number 10 you're gonna go oh then maybe add five more and see how you react and see how you feel when you're doing yoga do that extra jump through or chaturanga whatever it is that you know is going to be hard for you yeah and observe yourself doing it yeah um and challenge yourself constantly so yeah i try to challenge myself in my yoga practice I try to challenge myself in my freediving yeah. practice. Um, and I do most of it in silence. Wow. Yeah. Well, the freediving is a lot of chat yeah. happening, but underwater you're <laughs> in silence. <laughs> I, as you were saying that, what I was hearing was really being present yes. in what you're doing. Yes, present and aware. And then... I really like what you said, which was do something hard for you. Mm. Because we all have different limits, abilities and capabilities, right? So it's easy to look at someone and go, well, that looks like a super, like an impossible practice. Or yeah, like me hearing 83 meters, I I can't go and do that tomorrow. (laughs) At some point you will. Hopefully (laughs) at some point, yes, absolutely. But it's what's hard for you and I think there's this I remember um a few years ago one of my friends would explain this and he was like you know you've got your comfort zone mm. and you don't grow in mm. your comfort zone no. right like this is where things are easy it's good like yeah we've yeah. got our comfort zone and then you have and I've heard it described as like green yellow red as well then you have this discomfort mm. zone and then you have panic. Mm. And so you don't want to go into the red. You don't want to go into panic. Okay. I'm not going to go tomorrow and set the mm. line to 83 meters and be like, I'm going to 83 no matter what. Um, but you can, you play like in this space of discomfort mm. and that's that's where growth happens. Yeah. And so I think when I'm hearing like, for instance, I, I used to run with music mm-hmm. and then I stopped. And then you're so right. Like then you hear... And you can observe and be present with everything that's going on, not only in your body. Like, I think the great thing about that is when you're not being distracted and tuning mm-hmm. into other things, then you really do tune into yourself, right? Yeah. And then it's like I'm actually feeling things and feeling parts of my body being activated that I just didn't feel mm-hmm. before. And I remember in yoga, perhaps when I really first started practicing, when I'd be instructed to like engage my core. I'm like, but isn't it like, I, I don't know, am I? What's, what's, is it? I'm tensing my abs. <laughs> what I think of it, yeah. Um, but it really allows you to dial in and mm-hmm. go inwards. And then you kind of, yeah, you actually develop an awareness for your body. Yes. And you tap into stuff that you just did not just like muscles you didn't even feel before yeah right so what are your core muscles that, yeah. yeah i'm tensing my ab oh but there's more yeah yes yeah and yeah and as you do with the body you do with the mind yeah but that and that's the tricky thing 
But I think I think a lot of that that's where you want to piece it together because you want to be able to accept and sit in the discomfort with your body. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the mind, that's a whole nother space. And yeah. that can be, at least in my experience, like a lot harder. Yeah, I think it is. But it's also, I truly believe it's a lot harder because we are not trained to do that. Yeah. And it's only today, only in with the, the way we've surrounded ourselves at this moment, we have people around us who do this. Mm. We have people around us that go and sit with the discomfort in their yeah. mind. And 10 years ago, it's not a thing. It was not as widespread. It was not so many people around you that would do that. Yeah. Now you ask people if they've done Vipassana, most people say yes. Or at least in Bali. <laughs> at least in Bali. But that is where we live. Yeah, so yeah. this is this is the people we have around us. Yeah. And, but even when I go back home and I hang with my friends, I see that there's a shift happening there. Yeah. I see there's a lot more people who do practices that incorporate meditation that incorporate stillness that incorporate doing something with full awareness there's a lot of mindfulness everywhere yes. and it's not for nothing it's no. because it's the it's the it's what we need to do it's what's been missing yeah and our lives today because the way they are we it is even easier to step away from it it's even easier to be 100 percent distracted all the time yeah um 50 years ago when our parents were alive you know it was reading books by the fire in the evening there was no phone there's no youtube there's no television like conversation there was conversation there was there was a lot more time for reflection there was a lot more space for self-reflection and Mm. i think it was much more part of people's daily lives than it is today and I think because we don't don't have that anymore we don't have that opportunity all the time we have to create the opportunity yeah that's so it's so interesting that we live in a digital age where we're supposed to be more connected than ever Mm. and yet yeah you're right you could sit there at a table full of people and everyone could be on their phones and completely checked out no one's present I mean, how often do you see that here, anywhere in the world? Yeah. 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 That's, um, I like that you said that we have to create opportunities for that. Mm. And I think there's, there has been a great shift and you're right for me, you know, going back home to Oz and speaking to my friends is so much more of an acceptance of a, of a mindfulness practice. Mm. I guess people don't really like the word meditation much, but yeah, but they, mindfulness seems, um, accessible to, <laughs> to, to modern, it's a little to, bit to more, the West. Yeah, yes, yeah, they're like, oh yeah, mindfulness. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been far more accepted and practiced. Mm. I think health, is looked at more holistically mm-hmm. as well because health was very much physical physical yeah. before and now we recognize actually our mental health is extremely yes. important yeah yeah and it's linked it's the same you know so many levels yeah mind body connections yes. which is a whole nother whole nother <laughs> 15 to podcasts. go to go into it <laughs> yeah what do you think I mean, ultimately, with these practices for you, sitting through discomfort, mm-hmm. being aware of all of this, how has it shaped and benefited 
benefited your life? Um, I think in all in all, first of all, I'm a more disciplined person mm. um, because of the practices that I do, the kind of creates, you know, your, your morning routines. Like, okay, so now I do get up and I do drink a big glass of water with lemon and I have my coffee and I do my pages and I do my meditation and I do my yoga. Um, what time do you get up? Can I guess? 4.30. No. Five. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> five is usually when I wake up okay. and I'll be out of bed usually by 5.30. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for the first 30 minutes? I run around and go like, yeah. oh, life is beautiful. <laughs> I wake up. I need some time. Like I wake up and I'm awake, but mm-hmm. I do like to have a little stretch in my bed and yeah. Sometimes when I'm naughty girl, I put on a little podcast already. Oh. Um, I try not to because I try to do my pages before I have any input. Input, exactly. So, but yeah, if I'm lazy, then that's what I'll do. If I'm not lazy, then I'll take some time. I'll probably be out of bed by 5.15. And yeah, and then just get up and my days, I'm up, I'm awake. Yeah. I'm not a zombie in the morning. I'm a morning person, so it's nice to um, to get the morning started. Um, so yeah, so you're more disciplined. I'm more disciplined. I find that I'm calmer. I'm more balanced. I'm more. I'm more aware, mm. and I can step back more easily. So when something happens that would have normally affected me and made me feel sad made me feel angry or whatever I can step back and observe myself and observe my reaction or my initial um, attempt at a reaction and go like oh oh, that's interesting and then and then stop it if it's not something that I would want to do some yeah I'm definitely more aware Mm. Um, I'm more tuned in I find that I'm trusting myself more. I'm trusting my intuition more. Mm. Um, I'm more positive about the world and myself, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, um, I can catch myself still going to like, oh, you're worthless. And then going, no, no, that's, that's an interesting thought. Like, okay, I wonder why it came up now. But rather than following up on that thought and just kind of going into a little spiral of oh oh, oh, woe is me I now go I kind of have a little laugh at that thought and at that me that has that thought yeah so yeah I'm not pushing anybody away but I'm I'm aware that it happens and I go okay yeah that's awesome it's there's more distance I think between It's it's almost like creating space. Yeah, exactly. And I think space Mm. to interrupt old patterns. Yes, exactly. For sure, because Mm. like that's what I was hearing, right? Where you might you might have gone for this long. I've always reacted in Mm -hmm. this way, and then you create a bit of extra space Mm -hmm. for a response instead. So you can still feel that that kind of natural that old pattern, that old behavior that wants to come up. Yeah. But then you're able to just give it some time. And I think that that lengthening of time, even if it's one second, mm-hmm. and which might turn into five and mm-hmm. ten, 
and then a minute and then at some point you really do break out of these old patterns yeah. it might take a long long time to get there but then yeah you create space to respond yeah in a way that you you want to in a way that you exactly which choose. is more controlled which is not coming from directly from an emotion mm. right so what happens when we have um when we have trauma when we have things that weigh on us yeah. we react very quickly we have knee-jerk reactions right yeah um and that's all happening from emotion and there's nothing wrong with emotion but you don't want to be ruled by them yeah so you don't want to turn because you feel bad like turn out on your oh, line wow. when you're free diving go like oh and then turn right. you want that little bit of a yeah those few seconds to come go like oh what is making me want to do that? Where is that thought? Yeah. Where is that emotion coming from? And then suddenly you know, you realize, or maybe just the the few seconds made you feel differently. Yeah. So it gives you, yeah, it gives you space to to be different, to to be less ruled by your emotions. And then to understand yourself more, I think. Absolutely, yes. Right, because we... I feel like life is just this ongoing journey of learning who you are, like learning about yourself, understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much, you're right, like all this stuff that you're ruled by that you you know, didn't have much of a choice over. It's just mm-hmm. it's been embedded in you, whether yeah. it's a trauma, something that's happened, whatever. And then it's like now this is how I show up but now we create space to actually have some choice and autonomy over how I want to show up. Yeah, exactly. And then come back to how do you react to adversity or how do you react to the story that is your life? Mm. And we all have that story and that can't be changed. The history can't be changed. But we can change the way we feel or it makes us feel. We can go Yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's, Yeah. It's very empowering. Yeah, it's also ongoing. It yeah. never stops because when you think you got it, <laughs> something, else, <laughs> something well, else happens. You go like, oh, oh I'm all backwards. Yeah, I see it like an onion <laughs> where you're just peeling back layers. And so mm. there's probably, you know, there's deeper there's stuff 60, in there. Yeah. layers There's in there. just yes, layers yes. and you're mm. kind of peeling one back mm. at a time. You do a bit of work and you're like, oh, yeah, I've worked through some things. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then there's another layer. Uh, yeah. And I think as well, though, that helps you to show up better in the world for other people. Mm. Oh, yes. Right, because if you understand yourself Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, I'm this way because of all these Mm -hmm. old patterns and whatnot, I think it also gives you perspective. Yes, and compassion. Yeah, and compassion, absolutely. Which is, you know, something we could all absolutely do. Yes, we should all have tons more compassion than we do. But yeah. For sure. If you know how you react and how you how mm. your patterns are, then it will make you way more understanding other people's patterns. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's very hard, but yeah, mostly you can go, oh, okay. Oh, so maybe something happened to you to make you say that to me now. Go, yeah. Okay. Good. Fine. A bit more empathy. A bit more empathy. Understanding. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. Yes. So what's the plan for the next, I don't know, few months? What's, 
next few months and the next year ahead well now i kind of need to go back to work because i've been spending the last <laughs> two years just training and pretending that i have a job waiting for me at the end of it all um, I do have a job waiting for me, so we have a teacher training happening, yoga teacher training happening in Australia right now, and I'm going to be joining them for some teaching. Amazing. Yay. Yay. I'm looking forward to that. Um, teaching actual live students, not through a screen. That's yep. going to be fun. Um, I'm going to do, be doing the philosophy with them, so I'm looking forward to that as well. Amazing. Um, do you have any other teacher trainings for next year? Yes, I've got one planned here in Bali for May next year, and then one in Egypt for June next year. Awesome. So, yes. Do you have a website? I'll have to link some stuff yes. in the show notes. Yes, you will have to. Absolutely. Yoga Here and There is, a, is the company. Yeah. And that's where you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, all under Yoga Here and There very easy awesome yes well i'm very excited are you gonna compete next year i'm hoping to yeah yes there's a few more national records no then actually <laughs> i want to say they're up for gra- they're not they're so far from what i've been doing so i don't know some training a lot of training yeah and i would have to start loving free immersion which i really don't yeah <laughs> and it's very deep free emotion that we need to do so maybe that's just never going to happen or maybe it will I don't know we'll see mm, well, I did say that about this time, yeah exactly happen, exactly so. but yeah I remember when I I feel like last year even last year yeah your your diving was in a different place and then in the space of one year you absolutely kicked ass you just took it to another level yeah it's um something shifted in my mind Mm. definitely something shifted in the way i viewed the dives and i i blame the morning pages and the work that i've done (laughs) thank the morning pages (laughs) is what i'm hearing um yeah, it's really strange. I I used to ship my pants for dives like this. Yeah. And now I look forward to them. And there's definitely... A mind shift. A mind shift. And it, that doesn't just happen. No. So, yeah. All the meditation, all the morning pages, all the yoga. Yeah. Okay. So, has, I'm going to yes. start writing three pages every morning. Mm-hmm. And I'll do, yeah, the two hours of yoga and meditation and then i'm gonna dive 83 meters one year from now yes yes <laughs> that's why it not? that's all it takes why not yeah. so all, you need to do some free diving as well oh yeah right yeah. <laughs> okay going to winter in japan is probably not mm, going to facilitate that yeah you can do your base training on the mountain lots of running up and down the hill yeah in sure. altitude that oh, will yeah. help yeah that'll be good <laughs> Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And then when you come back or when you find yourself with some depth, then um, just smash it. Just do it. Just I think do that's it. pretty much what it comes down to. Just do it. Yeah. And sit with. And learn <laughs> to embrace the discomfort. Oh, what a way. What a line. Embrace the discomfort. Mm hmm. Yeah. You can say, we use, me and my buddy say, embrace the suck. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. And then you see it's not as bad as you think. 
That's it. Mm. Thanks, Daria. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, I've loved chatting to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll link all your stuff in the notes. Yes. In the show notes, <laughs> the invisible show notes. I'm not really sure shows. where they're going to be. I'll, I'll put something in there. Mm-hmm. So I'll include it all. Thank you so much for coming to chat with me. And I think that's a great lesson in embracing the stuff. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. Okay, you're welcome. And I'll see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.